If you don't know who I am, my name is Joshua Vining. Uh, I've attended Waters Church for about eight years. Uh, and about nine months ago, back in May, the Lord really put on my heart and my wife's heart to move to South Carolina. So we, we moved down to South Carolina, and uh, I'm excited to announce that uh, I am going to be the future location pastor of our Waters Church South Carolina campus. Yes. And if you don't know where uh, Traveler's Rest is, it's uh, in what they call upstate South Carolina. It's up, it's up in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains, about 40 minutes south of Asheville and about 15 minutes north of Greenville, okay? So I was, I was, I was told actually by Tim to tell all of you here, if New England is too cold for you, okay, and uh, Florida is too hot, okay, which it is, I'm telling you right now, it is, um, then come midway in between where there's beautiful mountains and the weather doesn't get this cold, okay? Uh, so that's my, that's my pitch uh, to you right now. <clears throat> um, for, for those of you that, that do know me, okay, and you're, you're sitting there looking at me right now, you haven't seen me in nine months, and you're wondering, why is he aged so much in nine months, okay? Um, th this is the reason right here, okay, just, just so you know. Uh, yeah, right there, okay? Uh, <laughs> And uh, not my wife. My wife's not the reason I aged, okay? Do not get me in trouble like that. I meant those two, two little ones right there. So that is Nora on the left side, and that is Kinsey on the right side right here with the big fluffy hair. So uh, they are the reason why I got zero sleep for about uh, five months straight and still don't get a lot of sleep, but, you know, it's getting a little better. Um, yeah. But uh, sticking on topic, uh, I'm going to be speaking today about suffering. Um, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> but I am speaking about suffering, okay? But not because of um, Yeah, I mean, I was really praying about what the Lord really wanted me to speak to you guys about this weekend when I came up for the last few weeks. And um, this idea and topic of suffering has just really continued to be put on my heart from the Lord and I know some of you are thinking, man, he really wants to start off my new year right. Two, two weekends in and we're already talking about suffering at church. But I really believe that there's no better time than now to talk about this topic. Um, I think there's no denying the direction that our society and culture is going in right now. And it's been ramped up exponentially over the last two years. I mean, we have, we have started to see people being arrested for prayer you know, we, we, we've seen people lose their jobs in the last couple of years over what used to be thought of as religious exemption when it comes to health, but it no longer is anymore. We, we, we've seen a society that um, is, is completely going against biblical values, biblical principles, biblical morals. And let's be honest, anyone who still believes in those things are being demonized by this culture at this point. I mean, can I get an amen? You know? And so we, we see where this is going, and I, I really believe that the Lord really wants to prepare us as a people. I believe he really wants to prepare us as a people going into 2023, and I believe he wants to reveal his promises in his word today to us. So I'm, I'm excited for this message today. Um, we'll kind of, we'll, let's get right into it. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, which I know many of you do, because Tim does a great job of telling you to bring your physical Bible with you. 
Uh, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 19. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 19. And uh, if you guys could, let's stand as we uh, read God's word together. <clears throat> 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. And then, then let's all read this, these next words together. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Man. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. This is God's word. Let's, let's bow our heads and just pray over this message this morning. Father God, we just come before you this morning, Lord, humbled, humbled to be, be able to meet together as a body in this building, Lord, to be able to worship you praise you, hear from you, Lord. Lord, I just ask that the words of my mouth, Lord, are not mine, but are yours, Lord. Take out of my mind any thought that you don't want to say to your people, Lord, and, and put what you want to speak to your people, Lord. Open up the hearts of everyone in this room so that they can receive what you have for them. And utmost and most importantly, Lord, let us see you, Jesus, through everything that goes on this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat. <clears throat> Calling this message this morning, the spiritual side of suffering. The spiritual side of suffering. In this passage, Peter is speaking to the Christian exiles who have been scattered throughout the region of, of Asia Minor. <clears throat> and though it's very clear in this passage that the, the immediate context of this passage is, is, is talking about uh, a suffering coming from persecution, I mean, there's no denying that's the immediate context here is, is suffering that these Christians are going through due to persecution. I truly believe that this passage can still... Um, be related to any type of suffering that we go through in life. Because, and this is why. Because no matter what we go through in life, no matter what we do, the purpose in, in, a, in a Christian's life, the purpose of a follower of Jesus is still always the same. To magnify the name of Jesus. Everything that we do is to magnify the name of Jesus. And that's the same with suffering. Our, our, our goal, our purpose through suffer, suffering, whether it be persecution, whether it be health issues in your life that you're suffering through, whether it be your family breaking up, whether it be relationships and, and people uh, um, um, leaving you and, 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 and abandoning you, no matter what goes on, your purpose in life should be to magnify the name of Jesus. 
So I, I believe that this passage can be related to any type of suffering that the believer goes through as long as they're, they're living according to God's will. If I was put on the spot right now and asked where I believe that the enemy has the biggest foothold in our culture and in our society and, and specifically in the United States, I would say it's with this idea of comfort. I just would. I mean, this culture has made made it so, so that they have, have fed us these lies where, where people believe that their main focus and goal in life is to live a comfortable life with comfortable cars and a nice, fancy, comfortable job and a nice, fancy car, right? They have made, it to, made us believe that the, the purpose of our life is to, to win and, and, and live the American dream. And we've been fed this. And, and it's not hard to see because what, what, what happens is, is when, when people start to make comfort their purpose in life, they, they start to get anxious and fearful about anything that could take those things away from them. Anything that could take uh, uh, their, their money and possessions that they've been saving up and accumulating and, and making their focus of their life, anything that could take that away, they get nervous of. And, and I mean, it's, it's easy to fall into this trap because our, our life today, our reality is pretty comfortable. Like, I mean, we can take out our cell phone and with one click, we can get food delivered right to me, right? With one, one click, I can have a car drive right up and pick me right up here at Waters Church, right? I, I mean, it's, it's easy to get caught up with all this stuff. I, I read an article, came out a couple years ago, in the Washington Post, uh, was it the Washington Post? Or, yes, it was the Washington Post. Uh, a few years ago, it said that the average American, listen to this, this, is, this will blow your mind. The average American today lives more comfortable than King Louis XIV of France, who had 700 rooms in his castle, just so you know. And, we and the average American lives more comfortable today than John Rockefeller did 100 years ago when he was the richest man on the face of the planet. We live more comfortably today than those guys. Like it's easy to fall into this trap. And what happens when we start to make comfort and our career and our things, our main focus and goal and purpose in life is that we will allow our fear of losing them dictate the decisions that we make in life. I mean, even this new generation coming up, and I'm not trying to pick on them, but if you look at the younger generation today, they get anxious and fearful if you even say anything to them that can make them feel uncomfortable. Right? You can't even speak something that's going to make them feel uncomfortable. And, and I'm not saying any of this today to you to tell you that having nice things and living a comfortable life is a sin. That's not what I'm saying at all. I, I truly believe that God blesses us and that if we work hard, uh, he will bless us with things. And that's great. And I have no problem with that. What I'm saying is, is when those things become the idol of your life, when those things become the focus and purpose of your life, that is when be, it becomes wrong. That is when it becomes completely ungodly. And even our government, even our government knows that we have fallen for this lie. And they will pray off of this. 
Our own government will say, hey, listen, listen, give us the power, give us your freedoms, trust in us, and we will make sure you're healthy, you're safe, and that you get to keep all your comforts in life, right? And this is a promise that they can't even keep. Because I have a newsflash for you. It doesn't matter if you're a follower of Jesus or if you're an unbeliever. No matter who you are on this earth, you will face suffering and trials in your life. It will happen. If you live long enough on this earth, we live in a, we live in a, 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 a fleshly body in a fallen world. And if you live long enough on this earth, you're going to die someday. All of us are going to die someday. But if you live long enough on this earth, you are going to face death in your family. You are going to face sickness and illness. You may face financial instability. You are going to face, uh, you're going to face reputations, people trying to ruin your reputations. You're going to face all of these things in life. It's inevitable. You are not going to get away from suffering and trials in your life, regardless of if you're a Christian or an unbeliever. It's going to happen. And, and this is, the first, this is the theme that, that um, Peter lays out here. This is the question that I want you guys to have in your notes here. This is the question that he says, when suffering comes, because we know it's inevitable. Peter is asking us, when suffering comes, who will you trust when it comes? Who or what will you trust in when the suffering comes your way? This is what this theme is about. Look at verse 19. It says, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. When suffering comes your way, who are you going to trust? Are you going to trust Jesus? Or are you going to turn your back on God and blame God and say, why could you allow this to happen to my family? Or start to question him. Or start to say, you know, you know what? I'm going to trust in myself. I'm going to trust in my money. I'm going to trust in my possessions. I'm going to trust in my family, but I'm not trusting in you, God. Who are you going to trust when the suffering and trials come in your life? And this is the, this is the difference. This is the difference between somebody who makes Jesus their purpose and somebody that makes their things and their comfortable lifestyle their purpose. When the suffering comes, for the person who has made their purpose of things of this earth, when the suffering comes and those things get taken away, they will be left broken, they will be left discouraged, they'll be left depressed, they'll be left with no hope and no purpose because it all just got taken away when it's gone. But for the believer, for the one who, who wants to magnify Jesus with no matter what situation in their life, for the follower of Jesus, Peter says, for that person, you don't need to fear suffering. Matter of fact, in the first couple lines there, Peter says, beloved, do not be surprised. Well, what happens when we get surprised? When we get surprised, we get anxious, right? We can get jumped. We can get a little fearful. Peter says, listen, listen, don't be surprised when suffering comes. You don't need to be fearful about it. You don't need to be anxious about it. You, 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 don't, need to, you don't need to get nervous about it or, or dwell on it. You don't need to. Matter of fact, he goes a step forward even more. And he says, not only don't be nervous about it, but he says, you can actually rejoice and have joy in the midst of suffering. Whew, I don't know about you, but that is powerful. That I would like. Because I can look back at some of the trials I've had in my life. At some of my hardest times of my life, man, the first thing that comes to mind is not joy for me. There's a lot of 
feelings that come to my mind at those times, but it's not joy. But Peter tells us, no, no, no. You can have joy in the midst of your trials, in the middle of your suffering. You can rejoice if you are a follower of Jesus. And I want to give you a couple reasons right here that Peter lays out of why we can rejoice in the midst of suffering. Here, here's the first one. You can write this down. We can, have, we can rejoice in, in our suffering because we know that God's glory is being added to our story. God's glory is being added to our story. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. That, that word fiery, when you see there, fiery trial, that word fiery comes from the Greek word uh, pyrosis, which also means refining, right? And, and it's refining, referring to the refining of gold back in those biblical times, the refining of gold. See, see back in those days, the way that they refined gold was they would, they would place the gold in a hot, fiery, uh, uh, vat-like thing. And they would place it in there and the, and the heat from the fire would actually burn off all of the impurities and blemishes off of the gold. And every now and then they would pick the, the piece of gold back out and, and, and look at it and see if they could see their reflection in the gold. And the more and more that they would continue to put it back into the fire and the more that the heat would burn off the impurities, the more that they could actually pull the gold out, look at it, and the more their reflection would be clear in the gold. So, so you could actually almost, almost put there for that word fiery trial, you could almost put right there refining trial because that's what it is. And that is what Jesus does in our lives when we go through suffering. This is why Peter says we can rejoice. Because in the midst of your suffering, when you're going through some of the hardest times of your life, in those moments, God is actually purifying you. God is actually refining you. And he's burning off all the impurities out of your life so that, so that as you continue to go through the suffering, he can lift you up and he can look at you and he can see the reflection of his son Jesus more and more through your life. And others around you in this world will be able to look at you and see Jesus reflected in your life. And what Peter is telling us is, is we can rejoice because we know that this isn't by accident, that this isn't a waste. Because how many times do you go through suffering in life? How many times do you have illness come into your family and it's easy to think this is by accident, this is a waste? Isn't it amazing to know that no matter what you go through, it is not a waste? that there is a purpose behind it, that there is a refining process that you are going through. As hard as it may be, as, as tough and suffering as it may be, that the Lord is refining you and people are seeing Jesus more and more through your life. So Peter says, man, you can rejoice in those moments of suffering because God is at work in your life. The second reason why Peter says we can rejoice in suffering is, is this. The Holy Spirit will rest upon you. <clears throat> Verse 14 says, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, 
you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. What Peter is saying is in those moments, in those moments of trial, whether you're being insulted, whether you're, you're suffering in a hospital from, a, from cancer, whether your family has been torn apart, in those moments of your suffering, you are not alone if you're a follower of Jesus. And not only are you not alone, what he's saying is, he says the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. He's saying the Holy Spirit is going to rest upon you in an especially powerful way in that moment. It is a powerful way that you do not experience the Holy Spirit in a normal day-to-day life. This is different here. Peter is talking about something different that happens, a different experience of the Holy Spirit in that moment, in the midst of suffering that you do not get on a normal day-to-day life as you live the Christian walk. This is something, this is something even more than that, that the Holy Spirit rests upon you. And, and Peter says, he said, he said, if you're insulted and the Holy Spirit rests upon you, he says, you are blessed. He said, do you know how blessed you are to have that experience? I mean, that is something that that we can't normally experience. But in that moment, something happens. The Holy Spirit rests upon us in our weakest moments when we need him the most. He is there. And Peter says, man, you you are blessed for that. And as I was reading that, I was wondering, even to myself, If this is such a blessing that in the middle of our suffering that the Holy Spirit rests upon us, why don't we seek more of the Holy Spirit on our day-to-day lives? Like, like if this is such a blessing to have the Holy Spirit rest upon you in your suffering, something that's that's even more extraordinary, why are we not wanting a a, a deeper experience, a, a, a fuller experience more intimate time with the Holy Spirit on our day-to-day lives? Why are we not seeking after him more? You know, Paul says in Ephesians 5, 18, he says, and do not be drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Does that mean that I don't have the Holy Spirit in me? No, no. We know that anyone who comes to faith in Jesus, anyone that says Jesus is Lord, said that in the Spirit. So if you came to faith in Christ, then you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. So Peter is not saying, oh, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit, meaning you don't have them. No, you have the Holy Spirit if you are a Christian, if you are a believer. That's not what he means. Does, does, does Paul mean when he says be filled with the Holy Spirit, does he mean that uh, you only have a piece of him and you need to be filled? Like, I don't know, somebody over here has two pieces and Maybe you guys have four pieces and I'm preaching today, so I got six pieces of the Holy Spirit. And you know, is that what he means? No, that's not what he means. You can't have pieces of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person, right? Three persons in one, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You cannot have pieces of a person. That's not what he's saying. I, I, I know that I'll tell people all the time when my girls all I'll talk to other parents and I'll be like, man, I, I didn't know it was going to be this hard. Like, this is tough. Like, 
I mean, they, they don't want to sleep. Um, they don't want to eat when they should eat. They try to eat when I'm trying to go to sleep. And, you know, and, and I complain, but let me tell you, my wife has it even worse than I do. You know, she's amazing. Um, but I'll talk to other parents about this and I'll say, man, this is just so tough. I didn't realize it was going to be this tough. I mean, I love them so much. It's so exciting, but it's so tough at the same time. And you know what parents of teenagers always say to me? Oh, you haven't experienced nothing yet. Oh, you haven't experienced nothing. Now, when they say that to me, are they saying that I don't have my children? No. I have all my children. Like, my two girls, they are full. They are complete. I have my girls. But what they're saying to me is, is that I haven't experienced the, a full experience yet of those girls. See, the Holy Spirit, we have the Holy Spirit in us. He does not come in pieces. He is full. He is a person. He's part of the Trinity. He is God. He is in you. But his experience can come fragmented in your life. And so what Paul is saying is, be filled. Have a fullness. Have a full experience of the Holy Spirit. So how do we, how do we get filled with the Holy Spirit? Here's three ways. And this is just kind of a side note, so I'm just going to go through this a little quick. Here's the first one. By reading his word. By reading his word. There is something supernatural that happens when you open up this word of God right here. It has the power to change lives. It, it changes my life. It's just something supernatural happens that the Lord does. When we open up his word, he will pierce our heart with the, with the text that's on these pages. And so if you want a fuller experience of the Holy Spirit, open up God's word daily and don't just read it, but meditate on it. Get it into your heart. Here's the second way. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit through prayer. The Bible says in Romans 8, 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. When we get alone in prayer, when we come into the throne room of a holy, perfect, just God, in that moment, it says that when we pray, the Holy Spirit is interceding for us with groanings that we don't even understand, with, with requests that we wouldn't even think to, to bring to the Father in heaven. It is an a, 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 a intimate moment where the Holy Spirit is just speaking for us to our Father in heaven. It, it, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, pray. Start praying more. And here's the last thing. Here's the last um, way that we can be filled, have a full experience of the Holy Spirit in our life by obeying God's word, by obedience. <clears throat> Let me say this bluntly to you. If you're looking at pornography every week, you are not going to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry. If you are disrespecting and abusing or treating your spouse poorly, you are not going to experience this. This is not going to happen. We need to obey God's word. This is how we are going to experience a fullness of the Holy Spirit 
in our lives. So if the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of glory and of God, rests upon us in our times of need, and Peter says that, that we are blessed. You can rejoice because, man, I'm telling you, if you go through suffering and, and, and this is what you experience, the Holy Spirit rests upon you, you are blessed. What does the Holy Spirit bring to us in those times? Why do we not have to be anxious and nervous of where this world is going and the suffering we may go through? Why do we not have to be like the rest of the world and get scared that we may go through financial ruin, that inflation may get out of control, that, that our family may get sick, that cancer could come our way. Why do we not have to fear any of these things? Why can we rejoice? What, what does the Holy Spirit bring to us in that moment of suffering? I got three things, and there is more that the Holy Spirit brings, but just to keep it short so that you guys can get to see the Patriots today, I'm gonna keep it to three things, okay? Here's the first thing that the Holy Spirit gives to us when he rests upon us in our time of suffering, he gives us truth. John 16, 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. In that moment, in your time of suffering, whether it be persecution, whether it be insults, and reputations ruined, whether it be a job that you have had for 25 years and all of a sudden you're laid off and you don't know what you're going to do and your family's in dire straits or you are sitting on, you know, you have just been hit with a worst sickness you've ever been hit with and the doctors say it doesn't look good. In that moment, the Holy Spirit, when he rests upon you, is going to bring truth to your heart and mind. He is going to remind you what God's word says. He's going to remind you of, the, of God's word that's written on your heart that you have read and meditated over the years. He is going to bring it to your remembrance in that time when you need it the most. He is going to remind you that the Lord said that he will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. That Jesus said he'll be with you to the ends of the age. That, that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. He will remind you of the truth when you need it the most. And I have seen this in my life. I mean, I have seen it in my life. I have seen the Lord remind me of scriptures and truths in some of my toughest times. Scriptures that I haven't read since I was 14, 15 years old when I was a kid. And it was like in the moment when I needed it the most, the Holy Spirit it was there. And reminding me of it. Here's the second thing that the Holy Spirit gives us when he rests upon us in our suffering. He gives you the words to speak. You put that down in your notes. The words to speak. Matthew 10, 19-20 says, When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. In that moment of trial, when your accusers come at you, when people maybe insult you, in that moment, when you're laying on that bed 
And maybe it's the end of the line here and you have the doctors there and everyone else. In that moment of your life, the Holy Spirit is going to give you the words to speak. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about what you're going to say to the people that accuse you. You don't have to worry about what to say to the family that's around you. In that moment, it says that the Holy Spirit is going to give you the words to speak. Or maybe not speak. Maybe he will close up. Maybe in that moment, the Lord is going to just use your actions to speak to the people in that room. But you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to get anxious about, oh, what am I going to say if people start accusing me? If people start mocking me for being a Christian, if people start persecuting me, you're not going to have to worry about it. The Holy Spirit, when he rests on you, will give you the words to speak. Here's the last thing and the third thing. In your time of suffering and trial, when the Holy Spirit rests on us, he will give glory to Jesus. This is the central, main, and only focus of the Holy Spirit is to bring bring glory to Jesus. Ephesians 1.17 says that the, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. In those moments, in those trials in your life, in those times when you're, when you're dealing with children that have walked away from the faith and want nothing to do and it's broken you, or in that moment when, when your family has been broken up and divorce happens and you have nothing left in your life, or you've just found out terminal cancer is in your family, or you found out that news yourself, and you are in your weakest moment. In that moment, I'm gonna tell you right now, the enemy is coming to attack you. He is coming at your weakest moment. And he is going to put doubt in your mind. He is going to tell you, you see, God never cared about you. Why would he allow this to happen to you? Where is your God now? Why is he not here for you? In that moment, he's going to tell you, listen, if you just, if you just do what they say, it won't affect your life any. If you just go along with what the world is doing and stop sticking up for these biblical principles, listen, you won't lose your job. You'll have everything you want. Just do what they say. Don't, I don't, Jesus isn't worth it. In those moments of suffering and trial in your life, the Holy Spirit is going to rest upon you and he is gonna confirm in your heart. He is going to strengthen your faith and he is gonna show you, Oh, no, no, no. Jesus is worth it. And everything that you have on this earth, every, everything you have on this earth, everything that you may lose through the trials, your health that may deteriorate away, all your possessions and things that you've worked for in this life, everything that may be gone in that moment, the Holy Spirit is going to remind you it is worthless compared to the glorious riches that are found in Christ Jesus. And we'll be reminded of that in that moment. He will give Jesus the glory in that moment. We don't need to fear. We don't need to be anxious about what is coming in this world. If you believe in Jesus and you follow him, you don't have to fear, Peter says. You can rejoice when suffering comes. You know, Corey Tinboom. And I, many of you know who she is. Corey Tinboom was a 
a Dutch Christian back in the 1930s and 40s. She helped many Jewish people escape Nazi Germany, concentration camps during the war. In 1981, I think it was, in 1981, she, she died in 1983. But in 1981, she, she was at a conference and she was speaking. And matter of fact, she was speaking out of 1 Peter chapter 4. And she was, um, <clears throat> she was talking about when she was a little girl. And she said this at the concert. She said, when I was a little girl, I remember that I talked with my father and I said, Daddy, I will never be strong enough to be a real witness and martyr for Jesus. And her father said, when you go to travel, when do I give you the money for the train ticket? Is it three weeks before? Is it one week before? She says, no, daddy. The day that I travel, you give me the money. And her father said, that is what God does. You don't need to have the power to suffer for Jesus at this moment. But the moment that you will have the great honor to be martyred, martyred for Jesus, the Lord will give you everything that you need. Corey, Corey Tinboom later had to suffer for Jesus as she was arrested and placed in a Nazi concentration camp. And she said during this conference, looking back at that time, she said, he indeed gave me all the courage and power that I needed in that moment. He was there. 